Hi, and welcome to another episode in our Happy Hour Gets Spooky series. I'm Cassie. I'm Tiffany. And this is Happy Hour Gets Weird and Spooky. Our one and done episode. Yes, and our one and done episodes are kind of the house margarita of podcasting, which sometimes house Mm. margaritas just like chef's kiss hit the spot and sometimes they taste like straight toilet water so you never know what you're gonna get which some people don't like but i happen to love um can i tell you a very very quick story about one time when i got a cadillac margarita the first time i got a cadillac margarita yes so i was at a chevy's and they gave me the grand marnier on the side in a shot glass I guess so that I could float it myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I thought that it was a (gasps) shot of tequila and I shot it oh my goodness uh well you're the coolest person I've ever met good thing I was on a first date that (laughs) really made an impression (laughs) did he ask you to marry you by the end of the night because I would (laughs) have such a nerd you know what I, I'm also a nerd um, because I went to a little getaway with my husband this last week. We went to Tahoe and we went to the Gar, Gar Woods mm-hmm. and it was Topless Tuesday. Mm. And my husband and I both saw the sign and we thought we were going to see titties. <laughs> but they actually just served their famous wet woody with the rum floater on the side in a shot glass. Guess who took the shot? this lady (laughs) and all the other rich old people on the deck eating with us made their own floater i was the only nerd there (laughs) taking my own shot of rum on the side so hey we are kindred spirits we're twin flames and we're both nerds yes that is true that's why we're twin flames because if you give us anything in a shot glass we'll immediately shoot it no questions asked nope no questions we're shooting it All right. I think we should get right into it because we have kind of a lot to cover this week. We What's our topic this week for our one and done? We are talking about unsolved murders yes. on this episode. Yes, we are. And in the spirit of spooky season and monsters and ghoulies and goblins, you know, in most cases... It, humans are the real monsters. That is accurate. Yes. And, and unfortunate. And unfortunately, it's true. So we are going to get into some of the most gruesome unsolved murders. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, You may go first, my darling. Okay. And I'm going to start with the Axeman of New Orleans. New Orleans? New Orleans. Let's make them all mad. Nolans. Nolans. Um, okay, so this is, all of mine are kind of old-timey, which, you know, I like. But So 1919 in Nolans. Wow. I'm just sound. That was I just, good. Well, I think it's pretty embarrassing on my part if someone from New Orleans is listening. But an unknown man broke into family homes with a chisel in the wee morning hours and murdered sleeping residents with their own axes. He sent a letter to the newspaper instructing people to play jazz music throughout the night on the following Tuesday if they wanted to live as he was fond of jazz music. He wounded many and he left four dead. And the identity of the axeman is still a mystery to this day do you think he was a musician i don't know you know weirdly almost all of the families that he attacked were italian grocers Hmm. Mm -hmm. so he might have just been an maybe he was just prejudiced against italians i don't know Uh, But he was a fan of jazz, and he wrote like a two-paragraph letter that just said, play jazz, I'm fond of jazz. If I walk by your house in this certain neighborhood on this Tuesday of this month, and you're playing jazz, I won't break in and murder you. 
such a dick. That's like such a power trip. I know. Ooh, and I guess at this point we will never know who he is. Mm-mm, never. And you know what? I like this. Um, I like this case. I don't like this case. I hate that word, but it reminds me of the man from the train that mm-hmm. book about mm-hmm. that string of like very connected but very disjointed across like the United States murders it was it's it's so fascinating and that also is unsolved we should do an episode on that one we could do a whole episode on the axe mhm mhm yeah oh okay i also am a fan i'm you know i i'm a fan of jazz music i like jazz so you would have survived Yes, absolutely. I mean, I probably would have been playing I don't think, jazz music. I feel music. like it's weird that you're bragging about that at this point. <laughs> All right, so what do you have coming up? Um, first, I'm going to say my sources so I don't forget. I just pretty much use Wikipedia since this is a one-and-done episode, and then I also read a medium.com article. I um, Thank you for reminding me. I also used Wikipedia – and biography.com and history.com. Okay. Lady of the Dunes. Ooh. On July 26, 1974, in Provincetown, Massachusetts, a 13-year-old girl walking her dog found a woman's body deceased with a fair amount of decomposition. The woman was face down on a blanket. A blue bandana and a pair of Wrangler jeans were under her head. She was between the ages of 25 and 40, auburn hair, approximately 5'8 and 150 pounds. Cause of death was a head wound. The victim was nearly decapitated, which might have been an act of strangulation, and both of her hands were cut off. What the fuck? Several leads came in as to who this woman might be. One woman believed it was her sister, but the DNA didn't match up. Other leads also went cold, and she came to be known as the Lady of the Dunes. A killer was never charged in her murder. Two notable suspects were mobster Whitey Bulger and Haddon Clark, who confessed to the murder. However, he was a paranoid schizophrenic, so his confessions are not exactly trustworthy. Mm -hmm. In 2015, Joe Hill the son of horror author Stephen King noticed that an extra in the movie Jaws closely resembled the Lady of the Dunes. Mm -hmm. But that lead, like all the others, ended up going nowhere. And although her body was exhumed in 1980, 2000, and 2013 in the hopes of identifying her and her killer, the Lady of the Dunes remains a mystery to this day. Wow, that is such a mystery. I not even dental records. She had some dental work that they said looked like it belonged to somebody who had um money. She mm-hmm. had like some either crowns or veneers or something that were expensive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they still they didn't figure it out. They don't know who it was. I like Whitey for it. They thought that the hands thing made it look mobster style. Yeah, he was also a sick fuck, too. Yeah. Um, All right. The Lady of the Dunes is a very intriguing case. Her nickname, instead of Jane Doe, the Lady of the Dunes, is like, it's sadly poetic. It's kind of like darkly beautiful. You know, Mm -hmm. Lady of the Dunes. Yeah. Um, Okay, so my next one is an oldie. And he's a, it's, it's kind of big time. Jack the Ripper. Never heard of him. <laughs> um, so in 1888, on the streets of foggy London town, a killer lurked, looking for women down on their luck. Jack the Ripper killed at least five women that they know of, but it could be up to 11 Jack the Ripper would stalk his victims, have a short conversation, proposition them, proposition them in some way. Then he would take them to a dark part of the street and he would slash their throat and mutilate them. Sometimes he would 
stab their genitals, their abdomen. Oh he would cut God. off body parts. He would remove organs and place them outside of the body or just take them all together. He was very brutal, very vicious. Um, and a letter was sent in a box along with half of a kidney preserved in ethanol to the head of the vigilante mob, not a mob, they weren't a mob, but a vigilante um, group that formed to try to catch Jack the Ripper. Mm -hmm. And this box also included a letter titled From Hell. And the letter stated that Jack the Ripper, who who the writer of this letter was claiming to be, had eaten the other half of the kidney after removing it the night before from his victim. What the fuck? Ugh. Yes. And then he just kind of disappeared. And his identity has never been proven. There's a lot of theories out there. There's been hundreds of books written, docu-series, documentaries, movies, um, but his identity has never been proven. Didn't some people think that he was um, H.H. Holmes? Yes. Isn't that one theory? Yes, because I guess the timelines kind of sort of match up when Jack the Ripper disappeared from London and H.H. Holmes showed up in Chicago, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, or United States. And uh, But I, I don't think they're the same person. I don't either. I think that people just want it to be that way because that would be a hell of a story, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, another one of those mysteries I don't think, I mean, can it be solved? I don't think it will ever be solved. So frustrating. Oh, it's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of his victims were considered sex workers, but mm-hmm. um, I think recently they did another, um, they dug deeper into who his um, victims actually were, and they weren't actually sex workers. They were just kind of women down and out. And he he just took advantage. He was like a an opportunist. Of the worst kind. Yeah, total dick. All right. Who's up next? What's up next? What case is up next? So next on my list is the Chicago Tylenol murders. In Chicago, Illinois, 1982, seven people mysteriously died. After investigators realized all the victims had recently taken Tylenol, a dark discovery was made. These deaths were in fact murders and were caused by someone who laced Tylenol capsules with potassium cyanide. A total of seven people died, including 12-year-old Mary Kellerman. However, even more deaths were attributed to copycat crimes. In the wake of the deaths, Johnson & Johnson issued a nationwide recall of Tylenol products an estimated 31 million bottles were in circulation with a retail value of over $100 million, equivalent to $265 million today. No one was ever charged with the crimes, although they had several suspects, including Ted Kaczynski. Hmm. After these murders, the FDA made changes to product packaging to prevent tampering and also moved from capsules to solid tablets. Yeah, do you think it was Ted Kaczynski? No. I think that they ended up ruling him out, but he was in the vicinity around the time. That fucking worm. He's such a worm. This is one of those situations where it's scary because it's so random, and Mm -hmm. I think that those are the scariest kinds of cases because just if there's no rhyme or reason, that means it could happen to anybody. Yeah, exactly. Random crimes are the most scariest, and that is a... Great segue into my next case, the Zodiac Killer, <gasps> oh, who, okay. who could possibly be, maybe besides Son of Sam, one of the most random serial killers. Completely random. Crazy. So Zodiac Killer, was he was active in the late 60s, possibly early 70s. He took credit for some things in the early 70s, and there was a lot of correspondence, but um, he claimed 37 victims in his numerous correspondence with the media, 
Uh, however, investigators have confirmed seven uh, victims and two of those victims surviving. So they've confirmed five deaths, but he claimed 37 and there could be up to 20. That's a huge discrepancy in, mm-hmm. in, in, a, in count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they would find a, a crime or a murder or assault, and it would kind of match the profile of the Zodiac, and then he would take credit for it, but they couldn't prove that it was him other than him just taking credit. Yeah, sounds like he's full of shit. Yeah. So interesting about the Zodiac is he used multiple methods on his victims. Sometimes he used a gun, and sometimes he used a knife on his victims, and he usually targeted usually targeted couples like on a picnic or at lovers lanes something like that his last known victim actually was a cab driver in san francisco so he operated and this is kind of close to home he operated throughout california but mostly northern california in the bay area the north bay and the east bay and the uh, west bay so he had victims in Vallejo, at Lake Berryessa, in Modesto, San Francisco, but also some suspect Riverside, Lake Tahoe, Santa Barbara, even Nevada and Albany, New York. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, he liked to send letters with symbols and cryptograms and ciphers. Uh, some have never been solved Although one was solved by a math teacher, I believe, mm-hmm. reading the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and his identity, he did weird stuff. He did one time this pregnant woman with her child was driving near Modesto and a car pulled up next to her and motioned for her to pull over. And when she pulled over, the guy in the car said, your back tire is wobbly let me fix it for you and he um used a tire iron what she thought was to fix it he was actually loosening the lug nuts (gasps) and she went to drive yeah she went to get back in her car and drive and her tire wobbled off so she pulled over again and he said i'll give you a ride to the gas station she got in seven months pregnant also with her child had her first child with her and she said as soon as she got in, he was acting very bizarre and he had other intentions. And she ended up jumping out of the car completely, just oh jumping out. And then a With woman. With her kid? Yes, yes. And then a woman driving by um, got her in her car and drove her to the police station. And it turned out that it was the, they think it was a Zodiac. And he ended up sending correspondence later, like a month later, saying, oh, I had an interesting ride with a pregnant woman and her child. I mean, he That's did all so kinds terrifying. of stuff. It, it, he did things like he would send correspondence saying he was going to blow up a bus full of children or mm-hmm. he, he was just a very bizarre um, person. One of his ciphers was broken and it said the reason... Uh, he was killing people was to get uh like a s- slaves in the afterlife so to, to, to like assemble slaves in the afterlife. I don't know, very weird. Um, and his um DNA, it, they have a partial profile of DNA. Oh, I thought that they didn't have any DNA on him. I believe they have a partial, like a. They can't. I'm sure you're right. I just didn't know that. That's. Yeah, I mean, they, can they use it? No, um, it's not enough. They have some from letters, and they also, I believe, have some after he killed the cab driver in San Francisco. Somehow he got the shirt of the cab driver, and he sent it in as proof. And I think they might have checked that for DNA, but on some of his correspondence that he sent in, I think they do have a small partial of some kind they've run it they can't find any matches um i was hoping this case would be an be a you know um golden state killer ancestry break the case wide open find out you know what i haven't done my ancestry yet i'm gonna do it tomorrow you should and i'm gonna solve 
Zodiac. Sorry, great Uncle Ned, but <laughs> you're fucking going to prison. Yeah. So, yeah, he. Uh, this still remains a mystery. One of the, I think, one of the biggest mysteries in California mm-hmm. history is the Zodiac. He terrorized the Bay Area in the 60s. Totally. I wonder, was he like the first fucking incel dude the way he targeted couples? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, yeah, he got a couple lovers' lanes, and he he got a uh, Lake Berryessa couple picnicking. Yeah, he was pretty uh, ruthless. Well, just wait till my DNA brings him down. <laughs> We're going to have a party. We will. We'll have a Zodiac. No, not a Zodiac party. We'll have a my DNA. A DNA party? That sounds disgusting. <laughs> You know what we're going to do? We're going to dress up. It's not like an orgy. Not like that kind of DNA party. Everybody dress up like a different form of DNA. Yes. Remember in Just Barely Kissed or uh, uh, that Drew Barrymore where she went undercover in high school? Never been kissed? Never been kissed. Just Oh, yeah, kissed. where the teacher was like a pedophile and then fell in love with a student. But then yeah. it's supposed to be romantic because she's actually 30. Yes. Yeah. Um, Cute movie. Yeah. Great idea. Okay. Well, that's not the part that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the cool nerds that she made friends with. They dressed up as DNA Helix. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm, Yeah. So we could just dress up as DNA. We don't have to skeet our DNA everywhere. (laughs) Skeet? I mean, if you want to have that kind of DNA. (laughs) Do you know what? Don't tell me how my party's going to be. If I want DNA skeeting... It's my party, my rules. Listen, if you it's want It's my party to... and I can skeet if I want to. Yeah, exactly. If you want to skeet <laughs> DNA everywhere, I'm your girl. Okay. That's our that's our new uh, t-shirt. <laughs> so I fucking really went off the rails as <laughs> per usual. Okay. Next on my list is Black Dahlia. Oh. On January 15th, 1947, the bisected body of Elizabeth Short was found in a Los Angeles park by a woman who was on a walk with her daughter. The body was so severely severed, drained of blood, and arranged that the woman at first believed it was a mannequin. Several suspects have been under suspicion since the crime, most notably George Hodel, who was a wealthy doctor that lived in the area at the time. Hodel was also considered in the murder of his secretary and was acquitted of raping his own daughter. Mm -hmm. His son and former L.A. detective Steve Hodel has written books about his father and his discoveries, which I really want to read those, but I read a lot at night before bed and I think it would fuck me up and I wouldn't be able to read it then. So that's why I haven't read them yet, quite honestly. Yeah, I would. I want to read those too. Yeah. Um, Also... If you want to learn more about the monster that is George Hodel, there is an excellent podcast called Root of Evil that you mm-hmm. should definitely check out. And Cassie and I both listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's by Hodel family members, and it's very dark, mm-hmm. but it's very interesting. It's a look into a family that is just kind of what you hear is kind of beyond what you would ever consider normal. It's. Oh my gosh, it is it is so interesting and it is so dark and it is so twisted and I feel like I believe it's George Hodel's granddaughters. Mhm. Yeah. that are that host it and uh it is so, they are so courageous. It was really brave and awesome mm-hmm. and they did a great job with the podcast. Mhm. And and his grandsons and his sons go are our guests and um, it, it is a fantastically interesting podcast. I cannot recommend it enough. However, it is very dark. Yeah, um, so be, it does beware. deal with very dark subject matters, like uh, obviously murder and incest and abuse. And it, it's dark, but it is very interesting. Yeah, if you think that they are... Uh you know not getting into it because it's a family member they definitely Mm -hmm. get into everything so the murder of elizabeth short is covered in countless news articles podcasts tv shows etc but despite all the interest in the crime 
the Black Dahlia murder still remains a mystery. And it's another one that I don't know if we will ever get answers to. Official answers, too. Yeah, there are other suspects besides George Hodel. He's the most covered. They The police did have other suspects, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's kind of like everything. You, you might have a suspect, but if you don't have the ed- evidence, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. One person they believed was responsible for the crime, they arrested, but there was some mishandling when he was arrested, basically, and so that all fell through, which is frustrating, but... It's a definitely a case that I think everybody knows about, and mm-hmm. it's just one of those cases that you just want solved. Yes. I mean, I like George Hodel for it. I mean, I think it makes sense, and I think that – I think He was I, a fucking monster. He yeah, was he, a monster. Yes. I think it was him. I think it was him. I just I think too. they don't have any proof to, like, officially um, charge him well, or solve dead. it. Yeah. So – Okay, so my next case is one we all know, and I I know we we all stay up. It keeps us up at night because we all want it to be solved. I have Jean Benet Ramsey, this little sweetheart. Uh, December twenty fifth, nineteen ninety six, Christmas Day. Obviously, um, the. Jean Bonnet's parents reported her missing. They found they woke up in the morning. She wasn't there. They found a long-winded ransom note demanding money, one hundred eighteen thousand dollars to be exact, uh, for the return of their daughter. And they called the police. There was some say this a very suspicious nine one one phone call. The police showed up. Um, actually, to be honest, everybody in town showed up. Uh, to their house and they were treating it as a kidnap ransom situation until seven hours later the police asked john ramsey john benet's dad to make a a second sweep of the house to see if anything was missing or out of place and when he went uh down to the basement with a friend of the family uh he found john benet in a small room behind a wood door in their basement, she was deceased. She had a skull fracture, and cause of death was ruled asphyxiation. And she still had a grut around her neck, um, made from seemingly material from the basement. I, th- I believe it was one of her mom's paint brushes and her art supplies. And some, I don't remember what the other part was. So, unfortunately, about this case is is the Denver police absolutely botched everything about this case. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all of the seasoned cops had the day off mm-hmm. because it was Christmas, right? Yes, yes. Um, so, their front door was a revolving door. They had their pastor. They had friends. They had... Um, rookie cops who hadn't dealt with a case of this magnitude doing things that they shouldn't have been doing. Friends were coming in, cleaning up the kitchen, wiping down evidence, wiping, cleaning away evidence. Even after John Benet found his daughter, uh, he picked her up and brought her up to the living room, therefore destroying really any evidence that could be found at the scene. And placed her in front of the Christmas tree. Yes. Um, I feel like anybody today that even has the slightest, um, like anybody who has any sort of true crime knowledge Mm -hmm. today would have secured the crime scene better than police did that day, basically. And, you know, it could be, one, all the veteran cops were on vacation, obviously, because it's Christmas Day. And second, they were treating it as a um, kidnap ransom situation. So there were a ton of people they're setting up phone lines friends supporting the ramses and um it just was a it was the perfect storm for an utter failure really and there's two theories with this case one theory is it was someone in the family because um seemingly all the people that were there that night 
were John Bonet's parents, Patsy and John Ramsey, and then her nine year old brother. And um, the other theory is there was an intruder came in and took John Bonet to the basement, murdered her, and then left. Um, so I think the, this case has people divided. Yes. So it was, um, and it's still unsolved. I believe it's still an open investigation with De- in Denver. This is a case that maybe could be solved in our life. Maybe. maybe. I'm hoping. They have, I believe they have a partial DNA evidence. I think they have partial DNA um, that was collected from John Bonet's body. I think that they do too. But I think that they weren't sure if that was um, something that, like, that could have been, like, anybody passing by touching mm-hmm. her clothing kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Or even manufacturing her clothing situation. Mm-hmm. I did hear that it could have been from the clothing manufacturers. Yeah. So I don't know if that DNA is um, could point to her killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm hoping, I don't know, I think it would be either like a tip or a confession. Yeah. Um, I believe Patsy Ramsey has since passed away from cancer. It's also a strange, I mean, strange and sad that John um, had two daughters die, which has, mm-hmm. he had another daughter who died in a car accident, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's just a, I mean obviously that's an accident it's just a just a kind of like bizarre fact in his life has seen a lot of tragedy basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah john Bonet was big in the pageant circuit so they think maybe that had you know there's theories that maybe somebody um who had bad intentions saw her or you know i i don't know i actually don't have you mean you can't solve this case right now? <laughs> God damn it, Cassie. Why did we even talk about it? I know. I don't know. I suck. I suck. I just don't know why they wouldn't have taken her with them. If it was somebody from outside of the family, I just don't know why they wouldn't have taken her. You know. Because they could have gotten money out of the people or mm-hmm. they could have just bit, bought themselves a little bit more time or mm-hmm. I don't know. But it's a horrific case and I think everybody knows about it it's Mm -hmm. the I mean it's just it's just the case that everybody wants solved Mm -hmm. Uh, well she was a a perfectly innocent six-year-old on Christmas Eve Christmas morning you know you really can't get more terrible than that I mean I don't know I I see I see I see both sides the FBI told local police that the um Ransom note was very, very long. Um, the the notepad was from the house. The pen was from the house. And they just, the FBI said it is just almost improbable that somebody would write that long of a ransom note within the home. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was, it, it was like five long paragraphs. It was, it was crazy long. And they, they said they, they used a lot of exclamation marks and, and, the dollar amount, $118,000, was very specific. So they thought maybe it was somebody who worked at the same company as John Ramsey. Because that was his bonus, right? That was his Christmas bonus, yeah. Yeah, it just seems like, so you're going to sit there and then write a, a million page long ransom note. And then you're just going to, mm-hmm. you're not even going to take her with you. Mm-hmm. It's just like nonsensical. Mm-hmm. It really is. So that's one for the ages, I think, that keeps true crime uh, aficionados up at night. They just want to solve it. That's the that's that. This is one of those cases that's like, oh, I'm sorry, can't make it. I'm 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 solving the John Bonet Ramsey case tonight. Totally, and I wish we could. I know. I hope it happens in our life. Me too. She deserves it. She does. Okay, so my final case that I'm covering, um, it's a little bit longer than my other ones, so uh, bear with me. There's a lot of details, and I didn't even get to 
most of it because this there's is, so much this to is, it. Yeah, there, this is one of those cases that we could do an entire episode on, and we might. We might do an entire episode. Well, I hope that we get to next year. So, the Ketty murders. Ugh. In 1981, Ketty, California, Cabin 28, a quadruple homicide was committed. The victims were Sue Sharp, her son, John Sharp, daughter, Tina Sharp, and John's friend, Dana Wingate. Their bodies were found by Sue's 14-year-old daughter, Sheila, on April 12th. Sheila had been at her friend's house that night. Sue's two younger sons, Rick and Greg, and their friend, Justin Smart, were also in the house, but were unharmed. Tina, Sue's daughter, was missing from the scene. The murders were violent. Sue was found lying on her side, nude from the waist down, and gagged with a blue bandana and her own underwear, which had been taped. She had been stabbed in the chest, her throat was cut, and on the side of her head was an imprint matching the butt of a BB gun. John's throat was also slashed. Dana had multiple head injuries and had been strangled. All three had blunt force trauma to their heads caused by a hammer or hammers. Stabbing and blunt force trauma were the causes of death. Tina remained missing until April 22nd, 1984. A school was found approximately 100 miles away near Feather Falls in Butte County. After police retrieved the skull, an anonymous call was made to the police station saying the skull belonged to Tina Sharp, and it was later confirmed by a forensic pathologist. The police that initially investigated the murders have been heavily criticized for mishandling the case. So I'm not really going to get into all the ways that the police sort of uh, failed this case. It, mm-hmm. There's a there's a lot of stuff. Um, and also, I think it's just hard for a small town when something's not solved. Mm-hmm. They're obviously upset about it. Mm-hmm. So maybe some things were just sort of uh, limit limitations of that time. Mm-hmm. Also, limitations of a small town inexperience. And it was uh, the 80s. So mm-hmm. there's only so much they could really do. Law enforcement, you know. Yeah. In a 2008 documentary on the murders, Marilyn Smart, who was Justin's mom, so the friend that was there that survived, Mm -hmm. she claimed that she suspected her husband, Martin, and his friend, Bo Boobied, were responsible for the murders. I might be mispronouncing Bo's last name. There were multiple things uh, that pointed to Martin. Sue, the mom... Um, had been an advocate for Marilyn who wanted to leave Martin, for mm-hmm. one thing. Although uh, the sheriff who investigated the murders uh, claimed he gave Smart a polygraph, which he passed. But we kind of all know how that goes at this point with polygraphs. They're not extremely reliable. No, they don't stand up in court. So Yeah. But in the 80s, I think that they probably carried more weight. Mm-hmm. After Marilyn and Martin had separated, Martin wrote her a letter in which he said, I paid the price of your love and now I've bought it with four people's lives. Uh, He also saw a counselor years later who claimed Martin admitted to two of the murders and alluded to having an accomplice. Hmm. So unfortunately, Martin Smart died of cancer in Portland, Oregon in 2000. And Bo Boobied, who allegedly had ties to organized crime, also, died in Chicago in 1988. So he is a, you know, a kind of a main um, suspect, but he's died since all of this happened. So, well, it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like a George Hodel situation where you think it's that, but there's you think it's that person, but there's no like definitive proof. Yeah, it's just kind of the ex-wife thinks it's him and mm-hmm. suspicious behavior. And I'm not sure exactly what he said to the counselor. And also some people just falsely confess to crimes, which yeah. I'm not sure what his motivation would be. But 
Anyway, uh, there has been so much coverage on this case. There's been mm-hmm. a Netflix documentary, numerous newspaper articles, BuzzFeed Unsolved did a thing on them. Um, and the horror movie The Strangers was influenced by these murders. Uh, there's also a horror movie called Cabin 28, which uh, look the reviews say it's fucking awful, so I wouldn't recommend it. I haven't watched it. <laughs> um, and honestly, I just barely scratched the surface because there's so much... There's so much information to do with this crime. Mm-hmm. Well, there's just like so many unanswered questions or maybe they're answered and we just can't get to them. But it's like the three boys not hearing anything. Actually, Justin Smart said that he did see something, um, but his his statements were conflicting and mm-hmm. he was a kid. There's just there's just a lot. It's just so much. And um, then Tina being taken away. Yeah. Why? Yeah. And and then Susan um, nude from the waist down and it just doesn't. And then it just doesn't. There's a lot of intricacies. Yes. It's it's sort of bizarre that some of the children were Mm -hmm. left left alive, Mm -hmm. although it would make sense if it was Justin's Mm -hmm. father who, you know, Mm -hmm. committed the murders. But it's just it's just a it's a bizarre and it's sad and it's. It's just one of those cases that I always mm-hmm. think about. And now there are new Plumas County sheriffs on the case, and they are very motivated. They found an evidence box with an audio tape directing police to Tina's location, which the initial investigators never even listened to. Who's on the tape? Do you know? It didn't say. Interesting. But I'm assuming it was somebody who... Uh, knew something and who made the call um, when they found this that's the thing like who made the call when they found the skull to let them know? obviously the murderer was watching and he must have been paying mm-hmm. attention the plumas county sheriffs also claimed to have six new suspects mm. and dna evidence of a living suspect oh, shoot which would rule out martin and boo Martin and Bo, because yeah. they're both dead, unless there was a third accomplice. Well, I mean, right? yeah, I mean, that would, that it's a cabin full of people, mostly children, but still full of people. That's hard to manage. I mean, the lead investigator has said that there are persons of interest still living who knew or participated in this crime and should be worried. There is still a $5,000 reward for any leads leading to an arrest and prosecution. Cabin 28 was demolished in 2004. That's a sad, sad case. And I, I don't know. Okay. So now that we've covered all these, we've talked about all these unsolved cases. What is one of these cases, if you had to choose one, that you would like to see solved in our lifetime? I am going to say, Ketty, and I honestly think that it will be solved. I have so much faith in these new sheriffs, these new police, these new detectives working on it. Like, I think that they're going to solve it. Oh, okay. Um, You know, I don't know. It's it's hard to choose. I'm going to say, I want Ketty. I would say Ketty, but I feel like there's a suspect. Um, I, I'm going to choose one that doesn't even have a suspect. I'm going to go with Zodiac. Okay. Just because you want the DNA party <laughs> that we're going to yeah. throw when yes. I catch him. I, you know what? I didn't, I think so consciously. I was just thinking I want an opportunity to skeet some DNA at a party mm-hmm. and Fair. I'm going to go with Zodiac. No, I just, I know it's kind of cliche and uh, you know, it's a, he's a heavy, he's not really a heavy hitter. I, I guess he's a heavy hitter. He's well known, but I just... There's no real suspects. There's no real leads. Nobody really knows. He's kind of mm-hmm. a phantom. And I would just like, it's like the Golden State Killer. It's like, no, he wasn't even on the radar at all, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, so I'm going to say. He could be the old man next door to all of us. Seriously, he really could. He really could. So I'm going to say Zodiac. Well, I, I know that we hope that these all get solved. Obviously. That's without saying. And the more we talk about it, squeaky mm-hmm. wheel. Well, you know, it's kind of like the, the, to bring up the Golden State 
case, again, not to talk about that devil, but to talk about, you know, Michelle McNamara and kind of writing the book and breathing new life into the case, kind of, you know, interviewing law enforcement mm-hmm. who worked on that case. And it kind of, if it, I truly believe if it wasn't for Michelle McNamara and de- mm-hmm. dedicating so much of her life and kind of bringing it back to the forefront, it might have never been solved. I, I agree with you. I think that if it, I don't, I don't know if it would have been solved if it wasn't for her. So it, it's kind of that, you know, every time there's a new docu-series or documentary or, or something that comes out on a, a case that everybody knows, it, it, I, I still watch them because it, it gets people thinking about it. And, 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 you know, you have these amazing web sleuths that, that, that can, or, or crime bloggers or podcasters or, you know, whatever people that start just start thinking about the case again and maybe, you know, look into some evidence and start asking questions and you never know what could happen. The squeaky wheel gets the oil, gets the grease. So that that is our kind of spooky. Usually our one and dones are a little lighter than that. I mean, but this is a spooky season and... You know, we thought it would be a good idea to shed some light on the fact that sometimes humans can be the most evil thing that you can run into. Um, so this episode was uh, very mm-hmm. heavy, as mm-hmm. you said. Do you want to end on um, something a little uh, lighter, lighthearted? Like uh, what we're watching this week. Spooky season, quarantine we all need something to watch yeah right? okay so first of all i want to ask you a question i you know mm-hmm. i don't like scary shows or scary movies have you watched any mm-hmm. of the haunting series on netflix haunting of uh-huh. light manor yeah i watched it today <laughs> yeah I'm is watching it good it. of course i'm watching of course it. you are it's it's good it's creepy and the girl from you is in it oh, is it scary yes okay it's creepy it's not too too did scary. you watch that haunting of the house on the hill or whatever haunting of hill house it's amazing it's the scariest tv show I've ever no watched. way tv show yes it's the scariest tv show i've ever watched is haunting of hill house and it's the same people made the blind man no but why didn't they make it as scary is it just a different vibe or what it's it's a different vibe it's a different vibe wow okay i feel like they take uh horror tropes that we all know but then like totally rework the stories is kind of their mo okay but uh yeah okay all right well you've heard it here first okay okay what are you watching okay well if you've been listening for the last couple episodes you know that i've started to rewatch dexter i watched it like um i want to say like nine eight years ago um, I binged the whole thing. This is how old I am. I binged it on DVD. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody remembers what DVDs are these days. <laughs> um, but I watched the whole thing on DVD. And I just saw, and it's even better than I remember. And I love going back and rewatching it and forgetting, remember, and like seeing like for the first time with fresh mm-hmm. eyes something that I had forgotten or I missed or whatever. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I'm on season three, I believe, when he is meets what he thinks is his uh, partner in crime, that um, ADA Miguel. Mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. thinks that they're, they're like twin flames and they have all this. Oh my gosh, it's getting so good. Anyways, no spoilers here from me. But we just found out that in 2021, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be the redemption year for 2020, it fucking better be. They are coming out with a limited time series, 10 episodes of Dexter Reboot. I'm so excited. I'm going to wait and binge all the shows like in You January. should. So it's fresh. You should. And Michael C. Hall has signed on. And I believe somebody else, I believe it's probably Harry, who plays his, mm-hmm. his dad, the character of his dad, Harry, has signed mm-hmm. on. So... There's two characters from the main show. Well, what's his sister doing? She needs to sign on. Dude, what is she Deb? doing? Oh, wait. Did she die? No. Did Debbie no. die? Wait, did she die? I can't remember. I don't know. But Deb is hands down my favorite character. 
She's so filthy. She's so brash. She's so just, I freaking love her. I can't handle her because she was exorcism of Emily Rose. And that's all I fucking see when I see her is I see her laying on the ground all okay. contorted with the demon. That in her movie body, was dude. scary when she was like, <laughs> that yeah. movie was so scary. And I watched that with my cousin when I lived alone and I made her fucking spend the night that I did see that movie. And that was very scary. That is a scary okay, movie. It's a very scary movie. And I feel like I need to fix like my barom- barometer on scary movies because I either watch movies that aren't scary or I watch the scariest movies ever made. Yeah, you do. I, that's I watched House of a Thousand Corpses in your honor at the I beginning of this movie. I fucking love that movie, man. And it's because I'm a sociopath sicko. You need to watch Grudge 2020. No. I don't like jumpy movies. I don't like to jump. I love the main guy in it. I can't remember I can't remember his name right now, but I love him. He's so good in everything. He's so good in searching. Watch that if you haven't I seen it. I will watch amazing. that and I will read the Wikipedia on Grudge 2020. <laughs> That's all I can ask. <laughs> all right. I think that wraps it up. Yeah. For this week. Yes. One and done. The longest one and done in the history of yes, one and done. Yes. Sometimes you need a double house margarita, and that's what you got today. <laughs> don't shoot! Don't shoot the Grand Marnier. <laughs> or do, if you want to, uh, you know, impress people and make friends, you shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, love yourself, lock your doors, and light some sage. Cheers to that! Cheers to that! Mm-hmm.